This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Hey, brothers and sisters. I have an assignment for you. We're looking for three Nephite stories. If you've had any encounters with the Holy Trio, then we want to hear about it. It doesn't even have to be your encounter. Maybe it was your great Aunt Petunia's. Maybe it was something that happened to your roommate's sister's cousin's boyfriend. It doesn't matter, just so long as it's a story about the three Nephites. You can call it in to us. Our number is 801-906-6722 and leave a voice message of your story. Or you can record your own audio and send it to us at mail at mormonexpression.com. Thanks for the stories. Okay, welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson, and tonight we have our full panel, the full Monty. And um, we are going to have a special discussion. First, let's introduce the panel. We'll move from left to right, um, starting on the left side. We have Niall. Hello, everyone. Moving a little bit to the right, but not much. They're kind of competing for the far left. We have Jim. Hey, gentlemen. Coming down towards the middle, we have uh, George. Hi, everyone. Moving out to the right side, we have Tom. Hey, what's up, guys? And anchoring in the far extreme right, we have Mike. Hello. All right, welcome, guys. Um, tonight, we are going to... Uh, we, we know there's some people out there listening to the podcast who might not be as... Um, on the inside, as we all are, who might not know Mormonism backwards and forwards like those of us who have lived it. And we're going to start the first in a special series of Mormonism for Dummies. And tonight we're going to talk about the Word of Wisdom. It's Word of Wisdom for Dummies, for Mormons, for Mormon Dummies, or Word of Wisdom for the rest of us. So what we're going to do is we're going to give a little brief history of the Word of Wisdom, and then we're going to read through the text, and we're going to explain to you all what it means so that you can be the insider. So you don't have to ask your Mormon friends anymore if they can drink Coke or not. You will know, at least as well as we do. So the Word of Wisdom, let's uh, start and give a little bit of background, is a revelation that was received by uh, Joseph Smith, February 27, 1833, in response to... Uh, Emma Smith, his wife, who came to him and was complaining about the brethren who were in the school of the prophets spitting their tobacco on the floor. Uh, now, now, Mike, were you telling me you have the uh, background on that? I do. It said, uh, according to Joseph Smith, Jr., the founder of the Latter-day Saint movement, the word of wisdom was received in 1833 as a revelation from God. After Smith's death, Brigham Young stated that the revelation was given in response to problems encountered while conducting meetings in the Smith family home. When they assembled together in the this room breakfast, the first they did was to light their pipes and while smoking talk about the great things of the kingdom and spit all over the room. And as soon as the pipe was out of their mouths, a large chew of tobacco would then be taken. Often when the prophet Joseph Smith entered the room to give the school instruct instructions, he would find himself in a cloud of tobacco smoke. This and the complaints of his wife at having to clean so filthy a floor made the prophet think upon the matter and he inquired of the Lord relating to the conduct of the elders in using tobacco. And the revelation known as the Word of Wisdom was the result of his inquiry. Okay, so the, the dirty uh, elders were spitting up on the floor, and um, uh, Joseph took it to, to the Lord, and he got the, uh, he got the revelation. Now, the revelation appeared first period in 1835 in the Book of Commandments, no, in the Doctrine and Covenants, um, and has been there unaltered since. So uh, any other any other matters of history? Well, maybe we should talk a little bit about what, what, what's happened with it since. In the 1830s, um, the, the Joseph Smith himself kind of waffled on it. We know that Joseph um, partook of alcohol, that he talked about getting a beer from time to time, and they were actually drinking uh, wine uh, as one of the last things they did in the Carthage jail. So... Some are inclined to say that the um, Word of Wisdom wasn't taken very seriously at the time, but we do also know that in the 1830s there were members who were excommunicated for violating the Word of Wisdom. The early immigrants from Scandinavia... Um, in Scandinavia, coffee is drunk amazingly amount. I mean, they drink it 
morning, noon, night, right before bed, all the time. It's it's really pretty much a social institution. And when the when the Swedes and the Danes and the Norwegians joined the church and they came over to Utah, that that, that was like the one thing they wouldn't give up. They they'd come clear across the world. They would uh, give up drinking. They would come to accept polygamy, but they couldn't give up their coffee. And Brigham Young actually sent out an edict saying that if you're Norwegian or Scandinavian, that it's okay, you can drink coffee. You know, interestingly enough, uh, you know, my, I'm uh, of Danish descent um, primarily, and I come from the San Pete, Central Utah Danes. And when I was a child back in the 70s and early 80s, there were still quite a few Danes down in San Pete, you know, we we're talking about Manti, Ephraim area, who would still drink coffee and hold temple recommends. So as early as recently as 20 or 30 years ago, that was still pretty common. You know, I remember uh, listening to uh, who's the 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 swearing uh, Jay Golden nuts. Kimball. Jay Golden, yeah, I remember listening to a talk by Jay Golden Kimball, and he talked about how he uh, he drank coffee all the time until they cracked down it. Uh, they, they cracked down on it. Yeah, from my understanding, there were several reformations. We know about the uh, reformation that came about um, in the 1850s, and there was a renewed interest in you know getting rid of the alcohol and the tobacco and that sort of thing. Um, and then they would kind of backslide a little bit and then come back and forth. And it wasn't until um, later that they started taking it much more seriously. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's more of a cultural phenomenon than necessarily a religion, a religious phenomenon, which I don't know, are one and the same to me, really. But, you know, from a, the perspective of, you know, a Mormon, you know, it's it's it, 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 it is generally, you know, looked down upon you know, to drink coffee. But I guess it depends on what time frame you're talking about. Now, I think you're saying it's it's not doctrinal. Well, let's. I think we're starting to beg the question a little bit. Why don't we? Why don't we uh, go through the the actual text, and then we can come back and kind of finish it up with a discussion of how serious we are to take this whole thing. We'll do this like elders quorum. We can go around the room, and everybody can read a verse. So I'll start um, with verse one. There's only, only 21 verses. Uh, this is, of course, section 89 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Anybody have their standard uh, uh, scripture in front of them? Give out the page number. I do. I was, was going to use the the new and uh, inspired version. Is that all right with everybody? <laughs> inspired by who? <laughs> I'm I've got I'm reading mine out of History of the Church, so I don't know what the page number in the standard uh, works are. What's the page? One seventy five. One seventy five. All right, here we go. Uh, a word of wisdom for the benefit of the, uh, the for the benefit of the council of high priests assembled in Kirtland and the church, and also the saints in Zion. All right, that's verse 1. Verse 2, to be sent greeting, not by commandment or constraint, but by revelation and the word of wisdom, showing forth the order and will of God in the temporal salvation of all saints in the last days. All right, I think we hit the first uh, issue. In the last days? Well, no, the, the last day. We're always in the last Tem days. That's no Temporal problem. salvation? Temp well, temporal salvation. The issue I was thinking of is um, the um, not by commandment or constraint. Um, we seem to have got off track. If this is not a commandment or a constraint, why do you have to live the word of wisdom to get into the temple? Well, can you be a can you be a Mormon in good standing and not follow the word of wisdom and just not go to the temple? Um, what does it mean to be a in good standing and not be able to go to the temple? Um, be able to take the sacrament and all that. I assume it'd be up to the bishop. I think as long as you didn't smell like smoke, they they probably wouldn't tell you. Anything. Well, when you take the sacrament, you're renewing your baptismal covenants, and if you've covenanted at baptism to not do those things, then it's a curse instead of a blessing. I don't remember that being part of my baptismal covenant, to not, um, you know, take a puff. Well, do, I'm, do you, I, I, no, I'm, I'm asking, Mike, that's a good question. Is that part of the baptismal covenant? Yes, it is. Well, well, yeah, if, as a missionary, if you're interviewing someone to be baptized, that's one of the things they ask you. Do you agree to, to keep the word of wisdom? But But you're not... You're not God. I mean, when when you're doing the baptismal covenant, it's whatever's in your heart that you're covenanting with God to do, right? And you can't, or you shouldn't be covenanting for God for stuff that isn't doctrinal, right? Like I can't covenant at a baptism to, I don't know, something ridiculous like root for the Yankees. You know, that that wouldn't even make any sense, right? Well, Brigham Young made it a commandment, and as the as the living prophet. He said, this is a commandment, and so from that well, time forward, it is. Well, I mean, was this, was this an actual revelation, 
or was this just a talk in general conference? Uh, I have the account in front of me. It was uh, September 9th, 1851. Okay. Um, Pre President Young, amongst other things, said he knew the goodness of the people and the Lord bears our weakness. We must serve the Lord, and those who go with me will keep the word of wisdom. And if the high priest, the seventies, the elders, and others will not serve the Lord, we will sever them from the church. I will draw the line. I know who is for the Lord and who is not, and those who will not keep the word of wisdom, I will cut off from the church. I throw out a challenge to all men and women. Yeah, I don't hear where that's a, a revelation. Well, the, the original one was a revelation, but to, 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 to Mike's issue, I mean, this is what I was referring to during the Reformation. They did get cracked down on it, but we have plenty of instances after this of the brethren in the 12 and the 70, both drinking alcohol and smoking tobacco. So although they threw that out, they weren't willing to enforce it yet. I mean, it, it was still very common to but read... read talks they complain about the elders all being drunk and stuff like that so i don't think it was enforced yet well it became well, a temple that's... issue in 1902 uh that's when they started enforcing it for the for entrance into the temple that was part of the that's when it became part of the uh, temple review and that sounds 1902 that sounds right but there was a slow adoption from my understanding before it wasn't today like today when you have to answer the same 14 questions they they said you should ask answer that to go to the temple but it wasn't widely enforced, at least in my understanding. Well, it, it seems like a revelation or a canonized scripture as part of the core, you know, the, the core works here, the standard works, has to be over overruled by something, a revelation that's canonized, right? I mean, you had the priesthood ban that was overruled by something that was canonized, and you had the polygamy thing that was overruled by something that was canonized. Like, what I'm hearing from this is a prophet, yeah, speaking, Maybe in an official capacity, but you know the prophets said, have said, and and will say all kinds of stuff that is opinion, you know, not binding or like like how do you override scripture by a general conference talk? Well, let me ask you this: I wonder if this is one of those situations where it took the prophets a a shorter amount of time to make a decision on a on a you know changing the direction of this great big ship than the others. I don't know if there's actual dates held to it when people started taking um, as strongly as we do now, but obviously at the start it was it was one thing. Um, as years went on, it became another. And as years went on, it became and yet a third thing. And I think what we'd have to do to divide this conversation up is to say, are we going to talk about this period of time or the second period of time or the third or even the fourth? Um, but it, but it, in general, though, it, it sounds – you know, usually when you talk about what's doctrine and what isn't doctrine, there seems to be a very clear or sort of a clear sort of story or, or, I, or process. I don't think on this one there is a clear process. I don't think we, we may ever know, and, and especially when it comes down to when things were talked about versus um, when they actually became practiced. Um, I, I, that history and that ability to go into it in detail may have, may have been lost to us from a historical perspective. I think that it, to me it doesn't really matter. Maybe it started out – maybe the Word of Wisdom started off as kind of a recommendation – and then the emphasis on this on this uh, rule or law just slowly got enhanced and more and more. But as of now, it's very um, it's a very strict commandment. Uh, it's what do they call it? The law of health, and it's required for baptism. It's required for a temple recommend. So it's a very strong uh, commandment now. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's almost part of your Mormon identification when it comes down to it. Is you set yourself apart as, as LDS by following the Word of Wisdom. And I would think that most people in the church know that it started off, or a lot of people probably think that it, it started off with one perspective and it's kind of carried on, and, and there's lots of problems with it too. Um, that it doesn't go into all the details and something, and, and we have some interpretation at the personal level. So that's, I mean, it's a complicated one, but it's got an interesting history to it, and I think it, it's why it makes it interesting for us to talk about. That's a good point, George, uh, about uh, interpretation. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, individuals who have very differing interpretations of the Word of Wisdom within the Church. I, I don't think there's it's necessarily set in stone from person to person within the Church. There's a key of understanding the Word of Wisdom, and it's the same reasoning that we have against getting tattoos, getting piercings, uh, has little to do with paying your tithing. It has little to do with uh, the law of chastity, and that is is 
are spiritual selves overcoming our temporal bodies' desires and, and passions? And that's we can control the things the passions of our body want us to do. Um, all these things that are talking about the word of wisdom are addictive substances, and we're losing control over temporal desires. And we have to overcome those things spiritually and show that we are, in fact, in charge of, of this temporal matter that, are, that houses our spirits. And that's going to have a lot to do with, with uh, the things we do in the eternities. Okay, let's go on to verses 3 and 4. Uh, George, you have your scriptures open. Can you read us 3 and 4? Verse 3 is given for a principle with promise, adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints, who are or can be called saints. Behold, verily, thus saith the Lord unto you, in consequence of evil and designs which do and will exist in hearts by conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarn you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation. Okay, so I think it's clear here that we know why we have the word of wisdom, and it's not for health, right? I mean, uh, we just read the verse. It doesn't say anything about... Uh, uh, and it's not for obedience. It's because... The evils and designs of, uh, what, conspiring men. <laughs> All right. The personal interpretation aside, I think... Well, I, I just, those were the of... words that it said. There's no interpretation there. I'm reading, evil and designs <laughs> which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men. I mean... What, no, it has a whole, well, I, I think, think that, it is a health issue. This isn't a very long uh, verse, you know, and God doesn't talk to us very often, so I think whenever he does, we should pay attention to the words he chooses. <laughs> I mean, he, he knows all words, right? So well, that was says, part of what brought the revelation on. He says, in consequence of these things happening, you asked me the question. So he had issues with uh, wine being po sacramental wine being poisoned, and so he, uh, that was part of the issue. Was the, that was part of the reason he went to pray about it. But we have no record of that ever happening and you can't you can't poison sacrament i think it speaks more to crazy conspiracy theories and and you know a general paranoid nature of joseph smith instead i didn't have time to do any homework for this podcast but there's i know there's an account that did occur that there's somebody was messing with the wine he went to town to purchase yes, he'd gone to town to purchase wine and somebody had messed with it joseph smith said that but there's no there's no proof that that happened Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have eyewitness accounts or anything. <sighs> I'm sure he well, was lying again. Well, I mean... <laughs> Joseph Smith has never lied according... By, there's been no record of Joseph Smith lying. What, the, one I, the one I want to call attention to is in verse 3. He says, this is a principle given for the, for the weakest of the saints. I've always viewed the word of wisdom commandments as entry-level commandments that you can say... I've kept these commandments so I can keep harder ones. That's the way I've always looked at the Word of Wisdom. Yeah, I mean, but is, is that really fair? I mean, we, we know that, for example, quitting smoking, nicotine addiction, is a very, very difficult thing to overcome. So there are people who investigate the church who may want to become members who can't overcome that, but otherwise live as good members. Is that really fair to say, well, you're the weakest of the weak because you can't overcome a nicotine addiction? So you can't even you can't even begin to to talk about things like honesty. I well, mean, I, that's, that seems I ridiculous know. to me. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I've always thought that it's nice to have a commandment you can look to and said, "I've always been perfect in that thing. I've always been perfect in keeping this commandment, so I know I can keep harder ones." But yes, you're correct. Just, you know, overcoming those things for people who are entering the church for the first time are are very difficult. So the way you're making it sound like this is a kind of a trump card for people who are born into the faith. People who aren't born into the faith. There's no reason for them never to have taken a drink or never to have tried a cigarette, right? It's, so right. most people will have done that. So the only people who can really say, I have totally never done that, are like lifelong members. Yeah, they, I think that goes back to the whole, you know, setting yourself apart as, an, as a Mormon. As, you, know, I, you know, it's you always look to the kids in, in, in high school that, you know, say they drink or smoke. And, you know, they were usually LDS, at least in my high school. You know, and they self-identify with that. Does anybody know if if nicotine was harder to quit its addiction back when this was given? Um, I mean, could it could it have been a, a case where cigarettes did not have as much of the addictive nature as they do today? Well, there were no cigarettes at the time, so you would have either smoked cigars or smoked a pipe. And I've heard now. I'm not. This isn't from personal experience at all. That those are a lot easier to put down. 
Well, speaking from from personal experience, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would say that um, and tobacco consumed through a pipe or a cigar is is actually very much uh, more potent than than cigarettes. Has it gotten strong uh, a stronger addictive nature over over the years? Is it lighter now than it used to? It depends on on how you consume it necessarily. You know, snuff versus chew versus cigars versus uh, uh, pipe tobacco. I I don't have that information, but so I I really couldn't make an assumption based on that. I I think it's interesting that in this discussion we have moved to speaking of the word of wisdom to tobacco, where in my reading of church history. That was never really a, much of an issue until the 20th century. Normally, when they spoke of of the word of wisdom, they were generally talking about alcohol. Um, so it's interesting that we went first to tobacco. I, I don't know why we did that rather than the booze. Good point. All right. Um, let's see. Let's go on at verse uh, verse uh, five and six. Let's see who's who's next in the circle. Um, I'll take. I'll take it. Okay, Tom. That in inasmuch as any man drinketh strong drink among you, behold, it is not good. Neither meat in the sight of your father, only in assembling yourselves together to offer up your sacraments before him. And behold, this should be wine, yea, pure wine of the grape of the vine of your own make. And why don't you go ahead to the next verse too? And again, strong drinks are not of the belly, but for the washing your bodies. So it, we should note that at the time that the um, sacrament was actually they used wine, and it was later that Joseph Smith received another revelation we kind of referred to that said that um, um, they could use water in place of wine. Um, so at this, there's still an exemption in here to, to drinking wine for the sacrament. Yeah, in, in verse 7, I mean, is that an allusion to the washings and anointings performed at the time? This is okay. 1833. This is long before washing and anointing. Okay. Um, that would have been Say, say that again. I think the, I think the washing and annoying was 1835. 35 and 36 is when they started talking about it, and then they began practicing it in Kirtland. Um, yeah, so, you know, once again, I mentioned in the beginning, this was routinely discarded um, by the prophet himself. He liked to drink a, a good, a good uh, stiff drink every once in a while. And sell it, too. Yeah, go ahead and ex- explain your comment. Oh yeah, he uh, he opened up uh, several houses of ill repute. In, wait, uh, wait, wait! Uh, in my mind, a house of ill repute is a brothel. Are you... <laughs> yeah, I think you're overstating there. there well, there, I think there, it was a brothel. There is rumors too, I, I... of a brothel in um, Nauvoo, but it was said to be run by John C. Bennett. I don't know. And they that... tore it down. Yeah, uh, I don't know that yeah. you can establish Joseph to that. Okay. But we, um, we we do have we do have um, Porter's Corner, right? Yeah. What what did he call it? The uh, the the lodging house, or I, I can't remember the exact name of what they called it in Nauvoo, but it was basically a a hotel with a bar in it, um, and uh, one of the uh, it was one of the places that you could buy alcohol, and Joseph Smith directly profited from it. Well, my understanding is, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, that Joseph allowed um, Porter Rockwell to um, run a bar in Joseph Smith's hotel for a little while, and then Emma didn't like it and shut it down. So Joseph Smith indirectly profited, but I don't think he was running the actual bar himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brigham Young as well did the same thing as well, too. Um, I don't remember the exact details, but... He had a similar situation in Utah. Well, All right. One of one of his one of his orders to the to the saints in various parts was to brew various things to sell to travelers going through the area. All right. So all this all this is relevant. Um, how again? I mean, okay. So let's let's say that this word of wisdom originally was was instituted as a strong recommendation. Um, so let's say that the early prophets and members of the church could still kind of be involved in alcohol or whatever, but as of now, it, it's a, it's a big no, no. So yeah, we can probably say, yeah, it probably wasn't as enforced as it is now, but now it's enforced pretty strongly. Shouldn't we talk a little bit more about now instead of 
trying to dig up all the ghosts in the past and throwing Joseph Smith under the bus. Well, I, I think it's relevant because people were excommunicated for breaking the word of wisdom during Joseph's time. I mean, um, well, well, there's yeah. there's partaking of and there's and there's overindulgence. I think they were being excommunicated for overindulgence, weren't they? Uh, here, I've I've looked it up. Um, April fourth, eighteen thirty-five, at a conference in Freedom, New York, Elder Chester L. Health, a member of the Avon Genesee Church, is excommunicated for breach of covenant and not observing the word of wisdom. Sidney Rigdon presides. So, I mean, there's a certain amount of um, uh, is the word hypocrisy too strong to to be? <laughs> he must have well, had a pop wife. It could it could have been it could have been that there was other issues involved, just like getting Al Capone for what tax evasion. You know, maybe maybe that's what they nailed him on, but there might have been other circumstances that we're not aware of. Uh, so you're I, saying weaselly ways of of getting rid of people are is a okay in the Lord's church, Tom? Of course, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for putting words in my mouth. I'm just saying that there's other things that we're just not aware of. So. Yeah. Well, my point is, is, is verse seven should have a little asterisk next to it that says, "Unless you're profiting from it." <laughs> you would put an asterisk on the scriptures on themselves, saying, "Not true. Read their own well, risk." <laughs> that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, let's see. Who's next in the to, for reading? Let's read verse eight. How about you, Nile? And again, tobacco is not for the body, neither for the belly, and it is not good for man, but is an herb for bruises and all sick cattle, to be used with judgment and skill. And again, hot drinks are not for the body or belly. Okay, so um, tobacco, keeping it out of your belly, that's good advice. But this one opens up the whole can of worms about the uh, hot drinks. You know, hot chocolate, is that good or bad? Post them. So hot hot drinks. Um, so let's be very clear. All it says is hot drinks are not good for the body or the belly. Um, and the the individuals who wrote about this at the time took that very seriously, and they would have included a soup in that. Um, we we know from uh, some of the journals of the early brethren. So they totally swore off all the hot drinks. Go ahead, Mike. Well, the, this is from the Church's Handbook of Instructions. Uh, the only in- official interpretation of hot drinks in the Word of Wisdom is the statement made by early church leaders that the term hot drinks means tea and coffee. Members should not use any substance that contains illegal drugs, nor should members use harmful or high-performing substances except under the eye under the care of a competent physician. So that's from the Book of Instructions. So, so I can tell you as a young missionary who served among Asian people, that statement you just read just made matters worse. Because tea is undefined, right? So the, it's still a weasel word. The church is still not defining. We, you know, we struggled quite a bit because there were all sorts of teas that um, Asian people drank, and a lot of people didn't drink anything but hot. And frankly, it's been pointed out before that if the if the members would have simply disregarded this, they would have saved themselves a lot of issues from if they boiled their water. They would have saved themselves a lot of problems in Nauvoo. Yeah, a lot of less uh, cases of dysentery on the Oregon Trail. Right. Although I do have to tell you that the um, uh, they released the they they gave the list of goods you were supposed to take with you across the plains, and coffee was included in that. So they so it might be the people were drinking coffee anyway. I don't know. Um, I I think that's true. The exception to there, but the, the thing is, is now nowadays it's a little more specific. I I agree with you, John. That that. Hot drinks is a little bit too vague and ambiguous, but as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's kind of narrowed down as of now. It's green tea is a no, uh, coffee is a no, and I think even iced tea is a no. Is that right? Well, green tea, white tea, black tea, they're all made from the same plant. It's just when it's harvested. Nice tea is too. But they, so everybody's interpreting that way. Why don't they come out and say this? This species of plant is against the rules, and this one is not. I mean, why, why do they choose to be vague? Why do they let people spin on this? Because it should be a relationship between you and God, right? Except it's a relationship between you, God, and your bishop, because you could feel that God is okay with you drinking green tea, but your bishop might not. Because of the conspiring hearts of evil men in the last days? Aren't you listening? <laughs> 
I, and I, I'm only talking because, you know, we, they would ask us or, you know, can we drink this tea? And we had no idea, you know, um, you're, you're right. But I mean, even if, even if they had like a spreadsheet of, of things you can and cannot eat, I don't know if that really appease everybody. Besides then, it'd seem like they'd be way too controlling. <laughs> well, I mean, you make a good point. Why, why, why do this at all? I mean, you know, I, would the church really be that unfortunate? Said, all right, uh, we're we're dropping. You know, s- s- still alcohol. Alcohol's no good. Tobacco's no good. But you can drink whatever hot drinks you want. I mean, would would the church really suffer from letting the uh, who are they the weakest of the weak in at that point? This discussion reminds me so much of, of Old Testament dietary restrictions, uh, and the word wisdom in general reminds me of that. It's you know, it's very. There's a lot of you know, gray area, there's a lot of, well, this is okay, this is not okay, and this is why, and, you know, does anyone else get that same kind of feeling that it feels like, you know, the rules of kosher food? Well, yeah, I mean, I think one of the, growing up in the church, one of the biggest topics that surrounds a word of wisdom is this caffeinated soda, and the debate and the controversy, it stirs up, it drives me crazy. I mean, I've been in multiple elders quorums where just somebody starts talking about it and says, you can't drink Pepsi or Coke. That's bad. And yeah, it's just- we, we, we got that a lot on my mission, too, you know, because and I think what it really comes down to is you, you have some little power-hungry little dweeb who wants to lord over someone else, and they it's a gray area. And, you know, the gray area is where all weaselly little weeds hide uh, <laughs> and the church is full of them and you know oh uh elder so he uh you know he i saw him you know with the whole uh case of coke you know it, it's time for you to take away his district leadership but no jim to me. jim let, i mean let's be fair i mean there, there are people who <laughs> struggle with it because they really honestly do struggle with it i mean they they really honestly don't know whether they should drink it or not so it's not just you know, I've heard that way. Why do people keep asking this question? People ask the question because they really want to know. There are factions in the church who say, no, you should not drink caffeine drinks at all. And there's others that say it's okay. I remember this coming up uh, really strong in my youth. This may be outing me a little bit, but this was back in the 70s. I lived in uh, Utah County. My bishop was the owner of the local Pepsi distribution company that was down in South Provo. And his, he, in the back of his carport, so it wasn't even a garage, it was a carport, had just cases and cases. I mean, uh, 300, 400 cases of Pepsi back there. And this was back in the 70s when it was just, you know, it wasn't a, it was a up to your own mind. It was a, um, you know, you don't, you don't drink it. And he, here what was with my bishop was not only the president of the owner, owned the distributing company, but was going through this, like, I, I guess he drank, drank it like water. I mean, <laughs> it, he just, it was just went down, down it and his whole family and he'd give cases out to people around the neighborhood. And it was, it was a pretty – it was neat for me to experience because I, I went out already with this attitude saying, you know, some people don't do everything the way you hear from – that's supposed to be that way. Well, the, the, this is the way that I know it, and you guys can correct me if, you're wrong, if, uh, if you think I'm wrong. Um, decaffeinated coffee isn't okay. You can still have a temple recommend or whatever you can – or be baptized if you're drinking decaffeinated coffee. Depends on your bishop. No, that's caffeinated. Not true. Uh, I know some bishops who allow it and some bishops who don't. Okay, yeah, maybe it's, ambi- I, maybe it's ambiguous, but that's what we were told on my mission, that if they're drinking decaffeinated coffee, that's an okay. We no, can let I them think drink. they lied to you. You think my mission president lied? Uh, <laughs> I, I he, exact, he misunderstood. <laughs> I've heard the exact opposite on my mission. I heard it was coffee was of any sort was bad. Decaf coffee was bad. Caffeinated soda is okay. That's the way I was told. Okay, well, well see, I thought for years that the whole caffeine thing came up in the early '80s when everybody was freaking out over caffeine. You started having all the decaf coke and everything coming out. But I guess the real story behind it was a a latter saint professor at the University of Utah, uh, Frederick J. Pack, in 1918 wrote a dis, uh, some kind of dissertation, and I guess he wrote it for the Ensign or whatever church magazine was out at the time that Coca-Cola contains caffeine, which is also present in coffee. 
And so we said it should be part of the word of wisdom, and it stirred up a fuss. But uh, why didn't he mention cocaine? Yeah, I don't know why he didn't mention cocaine. <laughs> I don't you know, know what the reasoning was. And there's I mean, another. He, if it was inspired, he shouldn't have mentioned. Should have mentioned cocaine, right? Oh, uh, well, Heber J., Heber J. Grant put a stop to it and said, as far as he knows, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. So, according to Heber J. Grant, so it is okay. And I, I've never heard anybody mention uh, Mormon tea. Which what's Mormon tea made out of? Um, Mormon tea. Kind of it's a, it's a ephedra out in the desert. Yeah, it's it, from it's from some desert plant. And it has ephedrine in it. So, um, yeah. speed. Oh, really? Is that what's in that? Yeah, 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 it's a stimulant. I, I've picked it out of the desert and brewed a pot way back in my youth. Oh, oh, I did. Mike, you need to repent. But it certainly clears you out. <laughs> I don't know who gave it to me, but they brewed it delicious. It was really good. All right. Enough hearing about your sin, Mike. Um, let's. <laughs> why don't you go on and read uh, verse 10 and 11, Mike? Okay. And again, verily I say unto you, all wholesome herbs God hath ordained for the constitution, nature, and use of man. Every herb in the season thereof, and every fruit in the season thereof, all these to be used with prudence and thanksgiving. So now we're getting on to the ignored second half of the uh, word of wisdom. So it, <laughs> it clearly says there you should eat fruit in season, right? Uh, yes. I think we're taught that in the temple as well, aren't we? Um, There's a whole, whole section on God gave you these things for the use of man. But uh, my my point is in season, so you're not supposed to eat like cherries out of season, right? And that's what the verse says. I think God ordains us with some common sense that we're supposed to follow. Well, we, I always we, ask I think, that of my, of my folks when we had to do canning in the fall and just saying, you know, we aren't supposed to be doing this. Now, <laughs> now Mike, I don't mean to right. bust your rear end, but... We just got off, off of this long discussion about hot drinks, and, and, and you just tried to raise the specter of common sense. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't see how common sense gets suspended for verse 8 and 9 and comes back in in full force in verse 10. Uh, I mean, it's almost like the Mormon culture can only pay attention to, to one specific uh, section at a time. You know, you know what I mean? Well, I think it's interesting that the it's... The enforcement of the word of wisdom today, the first half of the of the revelation is very is negative. Don't drink this, don't take this. The second half is more positive. You know, do this, do this, do this. And everybody pays attention to the first half, and the second half is completely forgotten. People give lip service to it, don't get me wrong, but you won't you won't um not get a temple recommend because you eat fruit out of season, but you will not get a temple recommend for smoking or for drinking alcohol. <laughs> you're you're high you're high. You're hiding cherry pockets in your car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez! It's it's isn't it just modern revelation where they've just kind of uh, taken more emphasis on certain portions of it? I mean, like the church handbook of instructions say, okay, these, this is what we should avoid. These are the things that are recommended. You know, eat meat sparingly. Well, that, I don't think the church that, of handbook is that explicit on the issue. Sorry, go ahead, Nile. See, this is what drives me crazy, because if, it's, if there's a revelation that says the word of wisdom is now a commandment, God has spoken and opened up the damn heavens, okay? Why, like this, right? Why? Like, wh where did God come down and say hot drinks are tea and coffee, right? Where does God, down, God come down and say, well, you know, go ahead and go to Golden Frickin' Corral? You know what I'm saying? I think Hiram <laughs> Smith is the one that, that said the coffee and tea thing. <laughs> no, I, I think you all have a point. I think... There's a there's a big problem with overweight Mormons, and if they would follow the second half of the word of wisdom, uh, they wouldn't be because all of this is about overcoming. No, no, Mike, Mike, Mike. Why what? is that excused in your head? Have you have you personally ever eaten the flesh of the beasts when you're not in the winter time and not in a starvation situation? I keep my house at seventy two degrees, so I have meat with every meal. <laughs> 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 no, uh, I think you're. I think you're right. I I do agree with you. Well, are but, you going to uh, start living it? Are you going to go start throwing out the meat? Uh, can I switch over to like a the chicken? No, hamburger no, stop, itself? stop it. Did God say this or not? Did <laughs> yes, God say this or not? You're correct. The current, no, the no, current none of the current this, that, and the other. Because you know, a, a revelation could come down and freaking you know clarify this crap. You know what I mean? But it doesn't. 
It's just old it, geriatric men who want to boss people around and tell them what to do with their lives. Do you have some authority issues there? Hot, hot drinks. Hot drinks is hot drinks. Where's the tea? You know what? I got in trouble once for taking green tea extract. That's not a drink, and it ain't hot. But holy crap, it's against the gosh dang word of wisdom. <laughs> now cut out all that swearing, gosh dang it. <laughs> yeah, holy freak. I think I think I think you just have to realize that the current leadership they're they're emphasizing some portions of it and and obviously they're ignoring some of the others. Whether you believe that that's I mean if you're going to take 100% of the word of wisdom literal, which is I guess what you're trying to say, then that that's fine, but the current church leadership they emphasized with alcohol, tobacco, tea, coffee, that's what they emphasize. I don't, you know, what's written in the scriptures, some of it just isn't emphasized as much. I don't know what I guess that was your hot button issue, Niall. Sorry, bro. <laughs> well, to take Joseph Smith at his word, he said, I teach the people correct principles and let them govern themselves. I think we all know that, that overconsumption of anything, whether it be alcohol or meat, is a bad thing. And we're supposed to take these commandments and learn how to overcome our, our physical cravings. I mean, it's so the same as law of chest. In your in your mind, would it be acceptable for me as a Mormon to drink coffee? No. Okay. Because in the, your the, mind, as a Mormon, is it okay for me to eat meat out of season? Yes. It's sparingly. I don't think you should okay. have an eighteen ounce T bone down at the steakhouse, but. But that's so not what, what you're saying. I think what Niall is, is the point is getting to is that certain points of DNC 89 are emphasized, whereas certain points of DNC 89 are de-emphasized. Why Correct. is there a de-emphasis on certain things that are culturally that culturally stand out? I think it's a, and he's right. It does represent hypocrisy. I think it just re- represents a human principle that when we're told we can't have something, we focus on that. You know, we're being told we can have all these things, and so oh, okay, who cares? I want to focus on what you told me no to, and you know, we have that childish mentality. Why did you tell me no? And so everybody focuses on that, and that's all you ever hear about. So are are you saying that that half of the interpretation is of men? Then say that again. I, I mean, if it's just humans obsessing over what they can't do rather than what they should do are you saying that the the prescriptions against drinking wine and coffee and all these other ridiculous things are just the interpretations of men no they're the commandment the living prophet has told us so, don't so god have those things. so god is saying you know the first half meh, you know in this sort of weird way but the second half you know do what you want with that Um, I don't know to Brigham Young give a commandment to. <laughs> who's speaking in the word of wisdom, back God. then and now, right? Actually, Christ. So, it'd be Christ. Like, like this is a glaring piece of proof that this is all just ridiculous. Oh, you know? right. and, and, and you just won't even like, like you can't even tell me why one half goes this way, one half goes this way. Now, now I have an answer for you. If this is okay. God's, if this is God's words. Um, then God says in verse 2, to be sent greeting not by commandment or constraint. So God is, if it's, this is God's words, is more pleased with the church for the second half than it would be for the first half, because the second half they're taking God's counsel, which is this is just for your, your own health and benefit and not by way of commandment. It's the first one that's come in later, and they've said these are a um, a requirement. So I, I, I do agree with your general um, sentiment that, you know, the, why does the church emphasize the one and not the other? They're, 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 they're equally you laid can, out, you know. See, here's, well, here's, a weird, here's a weird thing. You know, when, when you talk to Mormons and Mormon apologists, they always play this game of uh, doctrine, right? And they always make it very clear that a good Mormon can sometimes disagree with things said over the pulpit and general conference, right? But you cannot disagree with the things in the standard works, correct? That seems to be the largest sort of thesis on this this study of doctrine. Yes, right? but that thesis is not in the standard works. Well, okay, but here is something where it very clearly says some very particular things, you know, the most important, which is that's not by commandment or constraint. And there has never been a revelation canonized or even saying, thus saith the revelation kind of thing. You 
ignore completely the, revel the, the word of wisdom according to the scriptures and Mormon teachings of doctrine and remain a good Mormon. Or the alternative is, is you have to accept everything said in general conference. All right. I think you're, you're, you're thinking too black and white, Niall. It's, it's either yes or no. You accept it all or you don't. It's a little more complicated than that. I mean, there's lots of shades here that I think you're ignoring. There's, I mean, because if, if that would mean that we would have to take everything literal in the Scriptures, all the Law of Moses things we'd still have to upkeep. I mean, that's, that's or, kind of or, a ridiculous and, and, statement. And, and you know, the, the crazy thing is just to see it for what it is, you know? Well, I think this don't, goes back to... Back to when the, the children of Israel, when, when the Melchizedek priesthood was taken, what was put back in its place was this law of strict commandments. Here's what you do every day. This is how many steps you can take for this. So you're asking for a weekly menu to be passed down from the generalities. That's not the way Christ's church is supposed to work. Christ no, 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 I absolute, Mike, I want to go on the record as saying I absolutely agree with you that God is in no way logically consistent or even rationally possible. Okay? I get that. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> God sends out the Holy Ghost, and you're supposed to use your common sense. This commandment is saying don't overindulge in things and live your life in a balanced way. Except All right? he, doesn't, he doesn't need to spell out for us, on Mondays for breakfast, I want you to have oats. You know, except it, it, Bishop In wintertime, you can throw in a steak at night. I mean, that, that's just silly. Bishop, Bishop Mike, can I drink green tea? Green tea? Green tea, uh, coffee, and go to the temple. It's your uh, you cup, can't have the coffee. No, no, you can't. Okay, you know, then just block, switch to an know. herbal. Switch to an herbal tea, and I'll let you slide. I think we're we're running in circles. Man. Yeah, I was going to say let's let's <laughs> let's move on, fellas. Let's see who hasn't read yet. I haven't. I'll, okay. I'll go. Yay, flat. It, we're doing twelve, right? Yeah, twelve. Okay, and we start again. Yea, flesh also of beasts and of the fowls of the air, I, the Lord, have ordained for the use of man with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly. And it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in time of winter or of cold or famine. And I think we've established that this is pretty well ignored. Uh, interestingly enough, because of the health issues in the United States, if the LDS people, and I include myself in this, I mean, I'm overweight, but if the LDS people were to obey this, they would probably, um, you know, really enjoy good health. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other comment? Did, or have, you, have, you, have you all spent it all? <laughs> I, I think <laughs> there's a good chance on Judgment Day this will be used against a lot of the members of the church. Um, I, think, I think the surprising thing for me was that Niall just announced that this was the smoking gun for Mormonism. I... I had no idea that this was the one troublesome topic that was going to uh, be the downfall of the church overall. <laughs> I just want to go on the record for saying I think it's a lot more than green tea keeping Nile out of the temple, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I'll move on to verse 14. All grain is ordained for the use of man and of beasts to be the staff of life, not only for man, but for the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven and all wild animals that run or creep on the earth. And these hath God, hath God made for the use of man only in times of famine and excess of hunger. Uh, 15 is an interesting verse. It says that animals were made for man to eat, right? Is that, did I read that correctly? What about beer? Oh, we're... Oh, jeez. We're, we're, we're getting there. It's coming up. Well, they're talking about grain, so... Uh, okay, Tom, why don't you read verse 16 and 17? All grain is good for the food of man... As also the fruit of the vine, that which yieldeth fruit, whether in the ground or above the ground. Nevertheless, wheat for man, and corn for the ox, and oats for the horse, and rye for the fowls, and for swine, and for all the beasts of the field, and barley, and for and for all useful animals, and for mild drinks, and also for other grain. Now, Jim, can you define for us what mild drinks meant in 1833? I would say it would be uh, cider and uh, and beer, and uh, so, brewed beer. And cider at the time was fermented. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, it seems that, and I think most historians would agree, there's a real exception that Joseph is making here between hard liquor um, and, uh, and beer. So take me through a quick um, grain is good for the, for the food of man um, when it comes to beer would be included, but hard liquor 
would not. What is the what is the base ingredient in hard liquor that would make it different than grain is good for the food of man? Well, um, since liquor is distilled, it's packs a much bigger wallop. It has more alcohol per ounce. So, but it still comes from a grain product, though, right? Some do. Um, so why why does this show the distinction between something light and something hard? I, I, I'm not following what you mentioned there a minute ago. I, I think the the distinction is mild drinks. Um, uh, you know, a mild you know would definitely I think connotate less alcohol content. I got an interesting footnote. Uh, as recently as 1901, apostles Brigham Young Jr. and John Henry Smith argued that the revelation did not prohibit beer. Uh, however, LDS church leaders now teach that consumption of any form of alcohol, including beer, violates the word of wisdom. Did that come with prohibition, that, or was that before then? Uh, they were making their argument in 1901, and it wasn't until 1921 that Heber J. Grant said these things are to be followed and obeyed. So there's a big turn-of-the-century hullabaloo over these things that might have coincided with prohibition, like you're saying. Uh, temperance was a pretty long movement even before Prohibition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the late 19th well, century. And Prohibition that was Emma Smith's later. argument against having the, t- having the bar in the uh, Nauvoo house was that you have all these saints coming over that are part of the temperance movement and if Joseph is serving alcohol, he's going to drive away new converts. I think there's another point to be made that all the stuff in here about you know the grains and not eating meat except in time of winter or famine and the prohibition of alcohol and tobacco were very common ideas floating around at the time. They, I mean, it wasn't real foreign. You know, I think a lot of people have given Joe Smith credit for, like, predicting health codes and saying that, you know, smoking, um, that he, he, he essentially banned smoking long before science proved that it was negative. But even then, it was seen as a social, you know, it, it was smelly and produced smoke and you know, I, he, Joseph Smith might have been had a certain amount of um, foresight in, in putting this out, and he was ahead of his time in some way, but he wasn't standing out on his own in uh, giving these revelations. No, this was not anything new necessarily. Okay, I'm just going to read it, uh, the, the end to make sure that for those following along, they can finish it out. Uh, verse 18, And all saints who remember to keep and do these sayings, walk in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health in their navel and marrow in their bones, and shall find wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures, and shall run and not be weary, and shall walk and not faint. And I, the Lord, give unto them a promise that the destroying angels shall pass by them as the children of Israel and not slay them. Amen. I think it's interesting that uh, all of you apostates actually read some of the scriptures and didn't wither up and congratulations. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, we can read the scriptures. <laughs> so... um any last thoughts on the, the word of wisdom? Not- so are we going to talk about, about fatty a little bit, you know, overweight <laughs> portions? Because, I mean, that's, I think, should be there. And, you know, Mike put out this thing early in the conversation that said we're going to keep this thing going. Um, and we want uh, there to be direction today of what we're going to do. But then... You know, there's a huge elephant in the room here that some of the most unhealthy people in the entire world are members of the church, and we just are grossly overweight. And and I, it just seems like that's part of the word of wisdom that I think seems to be there, the health part. But let's talk about the fatty. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, let's turn that on its head. Let's let's suppose George that they did that. <laughs> um, what would be the social ramifications? I mean, a lot of people who are overweight struggle emotionally with it, you know. And if if you, I mean, think about s- poor sister, I don't know, Smith. You know, she's overweight, she's single, she's already like feeling down, and now suddenly God won't let her in the temple. I mean, I think that'd be emotionally devastating to start um, singling out the people who are overweight. And that's why, frankly, I think they don't do it. Well, I, I totally agree, but I, I do think that if they took the whole thing back and said this is a... Um, you know, we're going to make some things just, they're going to keep you out of the, out of the temple. If you're uh, smoking or drinking hard liquor or things like that, that may be it. But if we also have some, some guidelines for healthy living, because every time you turn around, it's like uh, the church uh, prances out statistics about how much healthier we are than anybody else and how our life expectancy is longer. But in reality, you know, we should be giving lessons on, on uh, good health. 
but well, don't it's they? Not just don't bring green tea. I think in the wards I was in, they did, and they, they tried to do it in a non-offensive way. But I think, to, and I think Mike was making this point before. I think the second part is still in the scriptures, and people talk about it. And frankly, in Utah, there's a huge movement of people who are into whole foods and grains and herbs and and that sort of thing. Um, And I think that probably stems from the word wisdom. Yeah, unfortunately, along with that comes a lot of very uh, reactionary uh, things such as anti-vaccination and uh, belief in chiropractic. (laughs) <laughs> and th- th- there's a whole group of Mormons too that believe in the uh, Fritos and the Doritos and the Oreos too. So, <laughs> Frito Lay is- sacrament meeting when they're busting open all the Ziploc bags for the kids. So, uh, <laughs> we going to talk about pot now? Pot's out. Aww. So, I mean, let, let, yeah, let's so let's review for those following along at home. If you want to be a Mormon, you cannot drink coffee. Um, some bishops might let you drink decaf, but most probably won't. You cannot. Can you drink... can you start that over with LDS Mormon? Uh, what other kind of Mormons are there? Every other kind. Okay, so if you are a Salt Lake, <laughs> if you are Brighamite Mormon, um, you you cannot drink coffee. Some will let you drink decaf, but for the most part, no coffee. You cannot drink tea of any of the major tea varieties, meaning green tea, um, black tree tea, and any of those. Or you can't. No, there's no Earl Grey for you. You can most likely drink your um, diet caffeine soda. Some will probably give you guff about it, but uh, it won't keep you out of the temple. You can eat as much meat as you want. You can eat fruit out of season, and you can eat whatever kind of grain you want. You can eat the corn that was for the ox or whatever. (laughs) Um, And um, no alcohol in any form or any shape, and no recreational drugs. Did I miss anything? No drugs as in any drugs? I said uh, that's why I said recreational drugs. You can take all the prescription painkillers you want. No, you can't Ooh. abuse that too. That's in there. <laughs> no. You can't abuse prescription drugs. So, so drug abuse is out. Now, I remember when I was at BYU. This is in the early '90s. There was a big uh, controversy around kava, um, which is apparently is a mild stimulant that comes out of the uh, the islands, and the general consensus was that wasn't allowed either. So, any sort of recreational stimulant is not allowed. Did I miss anything, Mike? I was going to say, I think you said you can eat all the meat you want. I'm going to disagree with that. I think that's something I need to repent of. Well, what my, my point is, maybe you shouldn't, but that's not going to keep you out of the temple. That's not going to keep you out of um, positions of leadership or whatever. Okay, still I'll, I'll agree with you there. No, no, I'll say that again. You'll still get your wives. <laughs> it, and to be clear, there's no wives unless you're a serial in, divorcer. In this life. Yeah. All right. Any last thought? I think we pretty well hashed out the word of wisdom. Um, any, uh, and we're all feeling a little uh, uh, worse for the wear for it. <laughs> a little, a little bloodied going through the fight. But uh, uh, we'll, uh, hopefully, it was worth it. Any, any last thoughts, you guys? No one wants the last word. No one wants to it's call. It's a good thing. This podcast makes me want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I think probably what uh, there was some allusion to, um, you know, the old Judaic laws. I, I think more than anything for me, the word of wisdom doesn't have to make sense. It's a marker that marks in-group and out-group, and it helps keep the, the, the borders. So when people come into the church and have to live that law, it helps them self-identify and see themselves as Mormons and make sort of hard choices that aren't too hard. I mean, it's not really that hard to give up alcohol on the bigger scheme of things. There's people who struggle with it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's not like, you know, I I think it's very much akin to the religions like the Islam or or Judaism that give up pork. I mean, it's kind of hard to do, but not that hard. You can easily get around it. The only thing that I don't, that I've always had a problem with the word of wisdom is the ambiguousness and the vagueness how some things are kind of in the shadows. I've always hated the fact that the church has never really made a stance on caffeinated soda. I don't know if they do that just to spark debate. I've always hated that. Go one way or the other. But I guess they don't want to put their foot down because they're afraid that, that all those kids will stop, you know, stop attending church because they have to have their Pepsi. I don't know. But I think it's a culturally driven phenomenon. You know, it's, it's, 
is defined by the culture and then reinforced. That culture is reinforced by then by the religion. Okay, guys, I think the discussion has been informative, and we invite all out there, if they want to continue the discussion and argue with uh, any of us about the Word of Wisdom, to please head over to the mormonexpression.com website. You can also call and leave your opinion on our line at 801-906-6722 or send us an email at mail at mormonexpression.com. I have not been drinking, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. <laughs>